Hello and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and welcome back to a brand new episode. This week, it's going to be divided into two segments, this podcast. Pretty exciting stuff, I know. Really blowing it out the water with comedy and zombies. Specifically, the best comedians in the world on this planet in the comedy sections, followed by a nice little segment on our obsession with zombies, the flesh-eating monsters. So, for those who are either interested in the comedy, stick around the first segment's just for you. It's gonna be around 15 minutes or so long. If it's longer than that, I'm truly sorry. I shall segment this YouTube video slash podcast into two segments when you're clicking. Uh, And I shall hope that for those who are interested in the zombie part, then you can skip ahead to the 15 minute mark and just go from there. For those who are interested in both, well aren't you a lucky son of a gun? Welcome to this podcast. So starting off with the comedy section, I just want to talk about how lucky we are to be alive in this period of time. We have some of the best comedians alive of all time. It feels like people are putting out so many quality specials nowadays. Uh, And recently, I think they're really refined. People are putting in a lot of effort as well. Thanks to podcasting, the the reason I started podcasting in the first place is because of this amazing community in the first place. Like, it's amazing. It really is. The platform of podcasting has allowed comedians to be able able to refine their ideas by just chatting shit for an hour and being able to like look at some of these ideas see how the comment section may have responded to it how that well that video did and they can actually take some of these ideas on stage or they can just filter out some of the content that doesn't go into their stand-up and they can have it on their podcast or they could even expand it even further and they can just have an extra piece of content for their audience, which is building their audience even further because of the platforms. I know, as you can see, my interest in this area is great. I was inspired, to be to say the least. I have had many times where I've been laughing out loud in like in my apartment, at my parents' house, like with my friends on podcasts that have just brought so much joy to me. Uh, to name a few. Two Bears, One Cave, of course. I've talked about it on with Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. Obviously, Joe Rogan with many of the comedians that have appeared on there. Probably my favorite would have to be the either the weight loss uh, <laughs> podcast, which initially happened between Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer. And then it was also the October Sober October guys, where you had Ari Shafir, Joe Rogan, uh, Burt Kreischer, and Tom Segura together. And even having... Uh, Tom Segura and Joey Diaz on the podcast with Joe Rogan as well as a nice little combo. And all of these guys individually are also fantastic. We also have the introduction of a person I've had, I've done a fake interview with, obviously Tim Dillon, fantastic podcast. I actually think Tim's better at podcasting than he is at stand-up, which is a bit probably a controversial opinion. Many people would disagree with me, but how he goes into podcasts just ruffles feathers every single time utilizes just satire beyond belief talking about comedy isn't fun for a lot of people but for me i love it i find that people like tim push the edges like most of the time he's not being serious but some of the things he says make sense and it's brilliant when he's rifting off about bitcoin when he's talking about some of the stupid things that happen on this earth when he's one of my favorite bits is him talking about one hyde park in london when he visited london and he talked about how twitter needs to be shut down and if you can't close your twitter account down and put something in less than 124 characters then you should move to hyde park and if you can't do that then you need to kill yourself i 
like the idea that he wants free speech back on Twitter, but I think the better idea is to just shut Twitter the fuck down. <laughs> That's everybody's real take that really thinks about it. The best thing to do would be to stop trying to make meaningful arguments in 140 characters or less, get the fuck off it, and move to One Hyde Park and Knightsbridge. <laughs> and if you can't do that, kill yourself. And he's obviously doing that in satire. He's obviously joking. I know I'm laughing at something dark as killing yourself. Suicide. I know. Terrible. But that's my dark humour for you. And it would also be something uh, as savage as you've seen in the previous podcast with how I laugh at some very childish things. So I'm sorry for those who are easily offended. This is not your podcast, to, to stay, say the least. We have, of course, the man, the myth of the legend, Bill Burr, who for me... Probably is my favourite all-time po podcaster, comedian. He's just as good as a podcaster as he is at stand-up. Stand-up probably better. He's probably the, the best living stand-up comedian right now, in my opinion. I think he blows the water out of Dave Chappelle and Kevin Hart and all of those big comedians. I think he is so relatable, like more relatable than the other comedians. And he doesn't take himself seriously either. He's so just human. It's brilliant. I think that's why most people really love him. It's because he has some some of the dark thoughts that you're going on in your head, like the population control bit that he does, where he's talking about how he, he as a dictator would take over the planet and then he would start slowly but surely shooting and close and killing people on cruise ships. This is how I would do it. I would just start randomly sinking cruise ships. And every moonlit summer night, every summer, I'd go out to harvest, right? That would be the deal. I would just surface, whoosh, and listen for the music, yeah? And fire one. Dude, look at my arm in this tank top. And then you cruise over, you strafe all the survivors. That would be it. 2,500 to 3,000 less people. And you want the greatest thing? No, it's all underwater. All the evidence is gone. All the evidence is gone. Every mass murderer throughout time is fucked up. They did it on land. You're gonna get caught. Where are you gonna put all of that, right? You do it out to sea. It all goes under, you know? Nobody knows. I don't know what happened. I have no idea, right? No evidence. No evidence. Maybe, maybe like a flip-flop. Just like, uh, it's just this hilarious bit as well where he's imitating what the 1% would look like if they were in a room together talking about how they can reduce the population and he does like a Nazi imitation as well. 
bunch of creepy dudes all sitting around some giant table, right? They'd probably talk about it then, just sitting down after like, I trust everyone had their fun. <laughs> Let's get down to the task at hand. There are over 7.5 billion people on the planet. We're running out of fresh water. There won't be enough chicken to feed the others. Does anyone here any, have any suggestions on how to eliminate the pressures of the undesirables? <laughs> ah, yes, you. Number four. You may speak. Well, you know, what, uh, what if we, like, slowly cooked them at the airport? You know? You know, just throwing it out there. Like, what if you had, like, a revolving door-looking thing? You made them take their shoes off, they got in, and they, they stood up like that. And you just radiate them from head to toe, once on the way out, once on the way back. Oh, yes, yes. I like that. I like the sound of that. And how would that work? Would you have it on low at first? Sear them like a tuna steak? They don't understand. You let the children go. We'll use them for slaves later, right? No old people, they'll die soon, just people in the prime of their life. And gradually over the years, you increase it. You increase it, they start frothing at the mouth. They don't recognize the children. The property comes back to us. Oh. I trust everyone at this table flies private. Some of these bits I'm gonna be playing throughout the, the podcast as well because you have to hear it from the horse's mouth and me just narrating on about it because it is nowhere near as funny hearing it from me imitating the bit rather than the actual bit happening itself. So Bill Burr as well, I really want to talk a little bit about him for the next minute or so, is that he inspired me to do this podcast because his Monday morning podcast, where it's just him ranting on about some of the stuff that's happened to him throughout the weeks. I used to listen to endless... I still listen to it. Sorry, I shouldn't say like I. I I used to listen to it endlessly when I was younger as well, back in 2017, 18, when I first discovered, um, when I, I didn't discover Bill, but what am I talking about, when I first listened to Bill, or saw him do stand-up, was back in 2017, I used to go on walks and listen to his Monday morning podcast, and he would do huge rants uh, about certain subjects that are just, obviously pushing the boundaries, but you, the Monday morning, the great thing about the Monday morning podcast is that there is no limits, he used to introduce his wife, as well, I say used to, he still introduces Nia from time to time, and she brings in a completely opposite viewpoint to him, which is brilliant to have, because you need to have a little bit of contrast, I think some of the best marriages that have stuck together, uh, my parents for instance, very much similar into um, you know in the sense that they're complete opposites and it seems to me that Nia and Bill are very similar in that sense and they're complete opposites as well and when you see that you hear the the phrase opposites attract so it's it does seem to be the case the the longer the relationship the more likely that is the case anyway Bill Burr as well has come into the scene and he stayed on the scene He's not just been one of those one-hit wonders who's had one good year and then just capitalized on that. He's created a great podcast. He's maintained that great podcast from the beginning. He's made many appearances on Rogan, and he doesn't kiss up to Rogan as well. By the way, dude, the elk's been delicious. Thank you. How do you like it? I made this American chop suey with it, and my wife gave a fucking bad review before anybody even tasted it, and everybody just said, fuck it. Like, she goes, it looks like hamburger helper. 
I've been chowing it for like four days. Like, out of respect for that fucking elk that you shot. It's like, I'm eating all this shit. I don't care if it's fucking bad. Does it make you more aggressive? What? Elk. <laughs> no, Joe, you fucking lunatic. <laughs> Huh. Huh. Somebody gets in my face that might cause me to get more l- lunatic. I eat a little bit of protein. You had to beat the fuck out of people for like three decades before you could like chill, smoke a little weed, put on your little rascal's hat, and just fucking chill out. You don't understand. I love him to death. But this guy is the most testosterone fucking filled dude I've ever met. That's why I love him. I love him. That's one of my favorite things. A lot of comedians will go on the podcast for Rogan and will not really push the boundaries. That's my favorite thing about Tim as well, is that he's just saying anything that comes to mind. And we're going to talk about Joey Diaz in a minute as well. The period of time that we live in now, these comedians who are pushing the boundaries have got jokes out there that really... um, make you laugh bring some joy to the world this is what we need in times like these is that we have to have laughter because everyone could be serious we could all be serious and i talk about this regularly is that there's nothing better if you're feeling down and i've made podcasts about robin williams and robin williams as well being my probably my favorite person in comedy slash acting but he's more for movies than he is for stand-up but he is a person who, why I love comedians so much is because they take, maybe they are going through dark times. And even if they are going through dark times, they are happy to make the rest of the world laugh. And that to me is pure brilliance. It's something, they they have their mission. Their mission is to bring joy to the world. And that I can get behind every second of the day because people are going through tough times. doesn't matter what scenario they're in. They need to have a laugh. They need to find joy in something. And if that means talking about, uh, for instance, on Tim Dillon's case, talking about how the world's going to fall apart or how um, everybody in America is going to vote right or left or whatever, the politics or how uh, dressing up as a woman and imitating somebody. Before my father died, I had a baby with him. And we're going to, it will be raised in captivity. It'll be raised privately to be the greatest politician that has ever lived. My name is Meghan McCain and I'm on a news show called The View. And Donald Trump, that fucking riverboat casino captain, is talking shit about my father again. My father was tortured for a hundred years for this fucking country. And he came back and he started seven wars because he's a gentleman. Fuck you, Trump. I'm going to wear my father's skin mask, and I'm going to primary Trump from the right. Come on The View, bitch. If you're that tough, come on The View. You want an Alessandria Ocasio-Cortez? You want this shit? You want to fuck these tits, Trump? You want to fuck these tits? No, you don't. You want to suck cock. But I won't fuck you because the only person I'll fuck is dirty. I'll fuck his corpse. I'll fuck daddy's corpse. Or just taking the piss out of Elon Musk. It doesn't matter what it is. The subject is, at the end of the day, it's just finding some boundaries to push and finding people to laugh. And I think Joey Diaz is the epitome of that. Joey appearing many times on Joe Rogan's podcast and being what I would call the greatest facilitation from Rogan. Rogan, as a comedian, yes, he's good. But I actually think he's a great facilitator for comedy. He's like the the godfather. Everybody benefits from him because he's shown how great Joey Diaz, probably one of the greatest stand-up comedians, to take any subject anywhere and make it funny. 
one of my favorite bits from him is him talking about changing flavors of his farts on a bus when he was like 12 years old and going to a football match. I, I remember I was telling you guys at one time my freshman year, I didn't take a shit for a week and a half. I used to, I was addicted to steakums with American cheese <laughs> and a ride of french fries. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Listen to me. How long is that? This 10 is days? That's a long time, man. A, when I was How a freshman, I played freshman ball and we were playing Patterson Eastside. That's wait. just a jungle of a school. Like, you got to be careful when you go in there. <laughs> and uh, we went there to play the Christmas tournament. Wait, what kind of ball are we talking right now? Basketball. Oh, basketball. And I hadn't taken a shit for like 10 days. I was backed <laughs> up something. I took acid, something fucked my stomach up. I didn't tell nobody. <coughs> and on the way home, we got on the bus. And while we were waiting there, my stomach started hurting. And I said, Jesus Christ, I don't know if I'm going to shit myself or fart, but let me just take a chance. Mm, good and, move. And I blew this fart, Joe Rogan. That was so bad. <laughs> Right, we were on a bus and people started running, you know the school buses? People started running to the windows, right? To swing down the bus windows. But here's where it gets better. I farted again. And the teachers were going, Oh my god, he's changing flavors. But the worst, <laughs> but, the wor but the worst thing was uh. the cheerleaders were crying. That's how bad it smelled. <laughs> they were sitting in front of the bus going, ah, He's changing flavors. One of the teachers yelled out, uh, Oh my God, he's changing flavors. That's how bad these farts were. That's, that's uh, your next t shirt. Oh my whole, God, he's changing flavors. The whole bus stunk. It was fucking god awful. I wrote a blog about one of Joey's farts once. Was that on a plane? Yes. yes. I think I read that. Just like something that should, know, should be so silly, so crazy to be able to say. And some of the stories that he comes up with, and he has to divide them up into decades because he's got so many stories this to me is probably why the people who are the funniest are the people who've lived life the most they've got so many experiences they've got so many things that they've done they aren't just getting like i said one good year and then living off that for the rest of their lives i think this is one thing that british comedy does need to learn from the americans at the moment is that they're not pushing. Like, I don't see anyone on the British scene that I go, you know what? Yes, the only person that I saw recently, and the reason why I'm doing this podcast, was I went and saw Daniel Sloss live. And to me, he's probably one of my favourites because, yes, he actually does say some controversial stuff, but he also says some funny stuff, even if he knows he's being hypocritical. He's gone from somebody who was talking about being single and loving life as a single person to a dad and soon to be married. And he still makes the, the, the joke about the transition from one to another. He made Jigsaw, which showed that empty relationships don't need to happen and that you should break up if you're not in uh, love with yourself as much as you are with the other person. I, it's, not, it's not even that. Like I don't, I don't think getting apart that they should sort of be anything. I don't have any expectations of my uh, future uh, partner. For me, I just think... Falling in love should be the most inconvenient thing in the fucking world. Like, it should ruin your day. Like, people who, when they fall in love, like, I know it's in love because every time I thought about them, I smiled and I was happy. And I'm like, no, 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 that's you in love with the idea of love. It's not about the individual. You're in love with the idea of being in love and you love the feeling of being in love. When you're actually in love, like, I think it's just, you know, it's, you just go, oh, for fuck's sake. I was having so much fun. I was living my best life and then this person came along and they make me laugh and I want to spend my time with them. I love, used to love being alone and now every, every time I'm in a situation that I'm enjoying, my brain goes, I wish this person was here with me. I want to share this with you. 
fuck, god damn, I was having so much fun. Yeah. I had so much freedom and I still have that, but just now I can't stop. I, oh yeah, every time I've been in love, I've just gone, you bitch, how dare you make me? Yeah. I, I love you so much and that's so inconvenient for me because I was enjoying being selfish. I was enjoying, and now I love you so much that you're my priority. What do I mean by that? Well, it means just having the ability to love one yourself before you should be in a relationship and actually enjoy being alone before you start hiring someone to do that for you. <laughs> and I'm laughing now because it's brilliant. He's probably him. And I remember there's like there's Jimmy Carr, of course, who is always a little bit, but I find him a little bit too much of a Q-tip a little bit <laughs> sense. I don't, you know, he, he doesn't, he's a little bit squeaky clean. His comedy isn't, but he, him as a person. So that's just an opinion, by the way. Comedy is subjective. So again, I probably should have made this clear at the beginning of the podcast, but you know, that's how it is. Again, the British com- com- comedy scene, probably because of how big Rogan has become, is being overshadowed a, li- a little bit with how great the American scene is. With, like I said, people like Burt Kreischer, who I've seen live as well, who tells the machine story in every single... Um, stand-up show that he does it seems when i was 22 i got involved with the russian mafia here's how it happened i was like i'm the machine it's brilliant he has a bit that he can't not do because it's become so famous and he's also got additional content that he does based off his life he tells stories based off how he lives his life as well and again he becomes relatable he also even though he's a a massive you know drinker and he does all these silly things i think a lot of people really love him because of his honesty and because of his ability to be lovable and he's like the big uh he's like that crazy uncle who says some crazy stuff but he's also he's just a, a, a golden heart basically he's got nothing no bad cells within him and i think that's really joyous and then you've got the contrast of tom segura who's this intelligent business-like man who also has this great analysis of people and life in comedy looking at scenarios and being observing of it and being able to just take something and make it funny like going to the bank for instance a scenario that should not be funny in any way shape or form that is just stupid and he turns it into something brilliant which i'll play for in him if you have the audacity to tell people how you're doing when they say how you doing that shit is rude and selfish all right <laughs> i'm serious there are two acceptable answers to how you're doing fine and great and if you're miserable, you say fine. You don't burden people with your real world problems during a courteous exchange. And as you can see with these sort of clips as well, these comedians are being propelled. They were already great in the first place. I think that just Rogan's podcast and other podcasts have promoted them in the first place. And the internet has made, given them a platform where they don't have to abide by uh, what you would call Hollywood or the media or anything along those lines. And having free speech to be able to do so is going to allow people to be able to create their own platforms. There's people people coming up now, I should say, coming up, they're not really coming up there. They're already successful in the first place, but like Chris Stefano, Andrew Santino, like these guys are killing it, like seriously killing it. Their podcasts on their own, Whiskey Ginger, uh, you know, Bad Friends, um, what have we got? Chris, <laughs> Chrissy Chaos, like it's it's brilliant stuff. And like I said, Tim Dillon already, he's amongst them. But for me personally, these guys took the opportunity of what's being done. There's also Andrew Schultz, but I find like Andrew again better podcaster than he is a comedian. 
it's funny. They, it, he reminds me a little bit of Rogan. He is a facilitator. He has the ability to be able to make a have a conversation, make it funny, but also be able to be, keep a level head with a conversation and not have the uh, hot-headedness that most people would have when a controversial opinion is given up. So these people are needed because they have that ability to be able to stand and have that comedian mindset of everything can be a laugh, but also don't take life too seriously, but at the same time, be able to take in information and, and have a little bit of wisdom. So overall, oh yeah, one more po- one more comedian. So I saw this podcast was also inspired by the fact that I listened to Russell Howard and Burt Kreischer have a conversation that was released yesterday after, before, my, before doing this recording. And it was so nice to see a connection and realisation that the disconnect between British comedy and American comedy is really deep. Like, they just don't know each other. Like, there's no connection. They're just... It's like colleagues for a completely different company. Like, let's say you work for a massive corporation on one side, like Microsoft, and then you also work... You've got colleagues working at Apple. It's like that. It's like you work within Microsoft, and then you've got Apple, and they don't necessarily know each other. But they are competing in some way, but they're not. It's hard to create a metaphor for something along those lines because there's not, you know, there's no osmosis between the two. And you're not getting very much uh, English comedians going over to the States and finding great success, you know. I can not think of many off the top of my head. I think Russell Brand and maybe maybe Jack Whitehall, but uh, no, not not great success, if I'm honest. No, it, again, like I said, the, the drift between the two of them, there's, Russell Howard's a great example of being extremely successful within the United Kingdom and Europe. He's, fant- he's got his own show and he does his own thing, but isn't necessarily huge hit. And I think he doesn't have his own podcast, which is kind of like the one comedian who doesn't, which is really interesting to see in Bert's conversation. I really suggest you go out and go listen to yourself because it's actually quite fun to to listen to the stories but also to listen to this conversation about something that's necessary uh, and interesting between the two sides of the the same coin almost. So one last comedian, Rick Glassman, underrated. I think his comedy is kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of old school comedy where it's bit comedy. It's like everything's a little bit of a joke which kind of reminds me of Mark Norman. I think they're kind of, everything has to be a bit. But at the same time, they're great comedians. So I'll leave that segment there. Chop it in. That's been done. The comedy section of this podcast has been completed. I hope you enjoyed that. For those who were into the comedy section, great. Maybe I'll, I'll if it, you know, if this podcast does well, maybe I'll do a part two for for comedy and a part two for zombies, whatever. But for those who are interested for the zombie section. Welcome. Come on in. Come on in. And we'll talk about the obsession with, like, you know, meat-eating, human-eating, cannibalistic zombies. Why is society so interested in zombies? Why are, is society so just generally creative? I think it's just the the fear maybe that we could be our own enemies could be that it's just a completely mad idea that it's kind of cool at the same time that there's this idea that there's these brain-eating zombies out there and i think some of my favorite depictions of zombie films for instance have to be train to busan and then the tv show kingdom both south korean uh, directed f- film and tv shows and i think they just get it the best 
Uh, they're fast zombies. They remind me a little bit of Resident... No, not Resident... Uh, World War Z. Very similar in the sense of the speed, but also they're just much more frightening. You know, they're, they've got grip, grime on them. They've got, you know, red lips and, and ju just a, a terrifying look to them. Kanda. It's also a realistic, everyone has the ability to get bitten, there's no one safe, no character is afraid, and it, it just makes it look like the overwhelming force of that the zombies would win, rather than the slow zombie that you're used to seeing in certain films. I think that the depiction within Train to Busan and in Kingdom is similar in the sense that these they're genuinely terrifying. It, it's not a comedic look to the zombie, which can, we'll, we'll talk about in a second with certain films as well. I think that Kingdom really gets characters right as well. So one of the things that you'll find is that the protagonist within the zombie depiction is always trying to accomplish a mission, as always within any film, but these are genuinely likeable characters that you hope survive. And I do find that there's a couple of shows like The Walking Dead that you start to like the characters, but by the end you kind of lost a little bit of love for the whole show in general because you no longer like the main characters, and that can be kind of a bit, a little bit of a dead, you know, it's... It, I remember with Walking Dead season one and two, you had some serious potential, and it drifted drifted off somewhere. I think ever since they got rid of Shane, it just kind of went downhill from there, and and that's just a personal opinion. But it does show that the zombies, although they are the concept and they have some sort of antagonism to the, they make it interesting. The main interest for most viewers is actually the human characters and what they do within this scenario like an infection what do you do in the pandemic what do you do as a person we're less we know that there's always that constant of the disease or the zombie in this case but what the the problem solver of the main character being able to get there it's truly interesting as well i think some of the action sequences for kingdom and for uh, train to Busan as well truly get you your blood pumping a little bit, give you a little bit of excitement. I think it's lacked in the actual, uh, you know, the the American slash Hollywood scene. 
I think this is where the South Korean filmmaking is actually pushing the boundaries in terms of film creation. And I've talked about this many a times before, and I maybe might make an entire podcast of why Asia in general is putting forward better films. And I don't mean China, I mean South Korea and Malaysia and a couple of other Japanese areas as well that put forward high quality film. And it's not just for the masses, it's actually high quality film. And I think this is something about uh, why Train to Busan and Kingdom are so well put together is because they truly have well put together storylines as well. Because the zombie com, com uh, as we'll talk about in a second, can be really put down. And as I said with The Walking Dead, it just kind of gets old quick. So what films, we've talked about action, what about comedy? Well, one of my first ever zombie films that actually made me kind of cringe a little bit, but it was good, good cringe, as in like, oh, that's horrible, oh, that's not necessarily nice, was Shaun of the Dead. Some of the best comedy skits in the film, and it's also got the element of the zombies and how they... You know the the practical effects within that film, but also having some great actors. So uh, I think also they they don't take it seriously. Another one would be Zombieland, for instance. Zombieland, one of my originals as well as Shaun of the Dead. There's just that element of fun being put into the film. Yes, the zombies are part of the storyline, but the actual adventure going forward is the similarity between the action and the the comedy. So the action versus the comedy is that there's always some sort of mission to be to accomplish. Zombieland, they're trying to get to a certain place. Shaun of the Dead, they're trying to get to a certain place. So it seems to be their continuation. Train to Busan, they're trying to get to a certain safe spot. Again, Kingdom trying to get and protect the Kingdom of South Korea. <laughs> so again, there is always this A to B reference between the two but they get this really nicely in Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland is that again likeable characters fun quips fun back and forth Bill <laughs> Bill Murray being introduced as a zombie through makeup God damn it Bill fucking Murray I had to get that out I don't mean to gush uh, having great names like Wichita Columbus um, oh, I can't even remember his name actually which is Woody Harrelson's character anyway, who's all awesome in it. Again, Woody Harrelson, can he put a foot wrong? I don't think he can. He's just one of those actors who just everybody loves. Uh, with also, he did a fantastic show uh, in True Detective season one. Mm. C'est magnifique. Seriously good. 
on on his part. He is an underrated actor. He's one of those actors. As well as film and television, zombies can also be found in video games. My favourite of all time is Call of Duty Black Ops 1, with maps beyond belief, with Shangri-La from the original, I think it was Shangri-La. Yeah, Shangri-La is in Black Ops, which was fantastic, had fantastic Easter eggs. The idea of the zombies was last as long as you can, but they also incorporated a storyline within it. Zombies within Black Ops, Call of Duty Black Ops was just an extension of the Call of Duty franchise, but it turned out to be something of a, a blast. It turned out to be probably one of the best things about the Call of Duty franchise. Now, when I first started out on Call of Duty World of War and within to Black Ops afterwards, these were really well put together maps. Personally, as they grew into the further games, I let like them less and less because they became just a little bit too te not technical in terms, I don't mean technical as in terms of the actual playing style, I mean as in the surrounding environment was too technologically advanced. And the original maps were a lot more old-fashioned and down-to-earth, and they also were beautiful, but they were also very simplistic. Once you got around the map, you knew the map, and then they'd add story to it. Zombies as well, they were fast, they were acting as the rounds increased, the, uh, the zombies got more tougher and tougher and tougher. I remember my best ever round was when I was like 15, I, I did get all the way up to level 100 on Shangri-La to be able to accomplish one of the Easter eggs on there. And Zombies for me was very cathartic, it's one of those shoot 'em up games where it can be round after round of horde zombies and it's simplistic in its idea and you don't really need to accomplish anything apart from getting to as many rounds as you possibly can. Also bringing back the idea of what Zombies was all about in the first place, pure survival mode. And this, for most people, can be caught in the uh, first-person shooter, can really make people a little bit seasick sometimes, Some of the, but that can really come into mind. But what the cool thing about the Zombies is that you could upgrade your guns, you could really last as long as you possibly could, and it was always, you could always be better. There was always an improvement to your game. You'd be able to understand the map a little bit more. Maybe you'd understand uh, stabbing in the first few rounds. Then you'd increase your gun. Then you'd start shooting after a certain round to be able to maximize your points. Then you'd be able to uh, kill certain zombies in a certain way to be able to maximize your points. Put up barriers to be able to keep the zombies out. Be able to go to the mystery box to be able to get a better gun. To be able to survive the horde of zombies that came around. A simplistic idea that would go on to become much greater. And for me personally, I don't think it can get any better. So, zombies. They are an interesting part of society, and they're also an interesting concept in the first place. Let's go back to the original question. Why are we so interested in zombies, and why do we depict them in film, video games, TV shows, even comic books for that matter? Why do we find them so interesting well i think it is the darkness within all of us this idea that we could become these cannibalistic you know cannibalistic monsters just by something that we can't control and that scares us a little bit and being able to utilize that within film and depiction and see this and truly scare ourselves can and will continue to be utilized in the future, but also makes you realize how precious life is and to enjoy a moment of <gasps> shock and awe and go back into reality to be able to spice life up and be grateful that you're not surrounded by hordes of 
meat-eating, cannibalistic zombies. <laughs> as well as zombies, I hope you also enjoyed, if you stay, if you went through the entire podcast and you enjoyed the comedy side of things and a little bit of zombies as well, uh, the reason why I made this sort of uh, ketchup and soy sauce combination of a podcast is that I just felt like the... Um, the topics themselves weren't too in depth, and that they could be combined into one. And for those who've come and watched all the way through, I truly appreciate it, and I hope you really enjoyed this podcast. For those who just watched one bit or the other, or didn't get all the way through, well, that's down to you. So, this has been a Tell Us Tale podcast. This has been Chris's Corner. I've been your host, Chris Taylor. And as always, I hope to see you this time next week. Bye now. Where do you think you would hit her? Yeah. <laughs>